Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby Sosland, and today we are studying Daf Tet Zion, page 16 in Masechet Sukkah. The Mishnah on our Daf discusses the spaces that can fall between the walls of a Sukkah and the ground below them or the Schach above them. First, the Mishnah looks at the space under the walls. A Sukkah whose walls are suspended from the top down, and that may have a small space between it and the ground. According to the Tanakama, the anonymous source in the Mishnah, the space between the wall and the ground cannot be more than three tfachim, three handbreadths, or about ten inches. Hamishalshel tfanot milmala lemata. If one constructs walls from the top down, im gavawa min haaretz shloshat fachim psula. If it is above the ground, three full tfachim, it is psula, it is invalid. Rashi explains that any gap more than this amount would be large enough for a goat to go through, and of course that would ruin the holiday to have a goat running through your sukkah. So a space under the wall needs to be small. And yet, according to the Mishnah, the space over the wall, the space between the wall and the schach, may be much larger. Milamata limala, from below to above, from the bottom up. Im gavoha asarat fachim, if the wall is at least ten fachim high, about two and a half feet. Kshera, no matter how far between the top of the wall and the schach, the sukkah is kosher. And as we remember, the schach can be as high as twenty amot. 20 cubits, which is about 30 feet high. Theoretically, the space between the top of the walls of a sukkah and its schach could be as much as 27 feet. That seems shocking. How could it possibly count as a sukkah if I had a two and a half foot wall and 20 and 30 foot high schach? It turns out that this permissiveness, this okay, is based on two concepts that we may remember from earlier in our Masechet, as well as from Masechet Eruvin. These concepts are called Lavud and Gud Asik Mechitzta. Lavud is a law, a law which is actually not presented ever in the Torah, but is understood to be Halacha Moshe Misinai, as old as Moses at Sinai. Lavud is a law that states that two solid surfaces may be considered connected if there is a gap of less than three handbreadths between them. So if the sukkah wall extends downward and the space underneath it is less than three tvachim, it is kasher by all opinions because it is as if that wall and the ground are actually connected because of the principle of lavud. No matter whether a goat can get under the wall of the sukkah or not, the principle of lavud allows that that space becomes as if it does not exist. 
if it is under three hand breaths. And then why is a wall that does not reach the schach permitted in the sukkah? In this case, that is the concept of good asik machitzta, literally extend and raise the partition. This is a rabbinic decree that a wall which is of halachically significant height, most commonly tent vachim, is considered for halachic purposes as if it were extended and continued upwards to an unlimited height. Let's say that again. Good asik machitzda means that a wall, which is maybe only two and a half feet, could be considered for halachic purposes as if it goes up as far as you need it to. This is a concept which helps a great deal when it comes to building a ravine boundaries in which we can walk and carry on Shabbat. And it also explains the leniency in our Mishnah. If you build a wall which is at a minimum of ten tvachim, and you have schach, even schach which is at a maximum of 20 amot, it doesn't matter how much space is in between the wall and the schach, it is as if that wall is extended and the partition raised, as if the wall keeps going up until it touches the schach itself. So these two concepts, lavud and good asit mechitzda, a short wall becomes a higher wall, a gap in two solid surfaces becomes as if there is no gap, both of them deal with illusions through the halacha within the sukkah. To some, it might feel strange to see so many illusions in the sukkah, that halacha can have so many loopholes within it. But I found a very beautiful understanding of this from Rabbi Reuven Spolter in a blog called Chopping Wood. Rabbi Spolter explains that he believes this illusion is actually at the center of the holiday of Sukkot. He quotes the famous book Halachic Man by Rav Yosef Soloveitchik, which I've quoted myself on this podcast. And he suggests that living a halachic life means seeing past the obvious and finding the structure that others might not see. When halachic man approaches reality, writes Soloveitchik, he comes with his Torah, given to him from Sinai in hand. He orients himself to the world by means of halacha. I'm skipping down. To whom may he be compared? To a mathematician who fashions an ideal world and then uses it for the purpose of establishing a relationship between it and the real world. The essence of the halacha, which was received from God, consists in creating an ideal world and cognizing the relationship between that ideal world and our concrete environment in all its visible manifestations and underlying structures. So here's what Rabbi Spolter writes, helping us to understand the Rav, Rav Yosef Soloveitchik. To paraphrase the Rav, when halachic man looks at a sukkah, he's entirely uninterested in whether the structure is physically sound or not. Rather, his only concern is whether the building comprises a halachically valid sukkah or not. Does the legal definition define the building as a sukkah or not? It may very well be structurally unsound. A person could never live in it for very long. Yet, as long as it's halachically a sukkah, that's all that matters. It's suitable for the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. 
we may add walls and decorations to assuage our sensibilities. Those elements may very well add to the beauty of the mitzvah, but to a halachic man, or I would paraphrase Rabbi Spolter and say to any of us who are following the halacha, despite what we see with our eyes, if it's a halachic sukkah, that's all that matters. And here Rabbi Spolter adds his own ideas. This, I think, he writes, is a critical element of the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. We live our lives struggling to balance between the world we see, success, money, power, and the underlying spiritual rules that we believe truly matter. Closeness to God, spirituality, in essence, what we see blinds us to what we know. We work all year to allow what we know to guide us even when the two contradict one another. On, on the simplest level, we refrain from work on Shabbat because we know working on the day of rest cannot bring true prosperity, despite the fact that what we see with our eyes seems to indicate the opposite. On Yom Kippur, we rise to our highest spiritual level when we abandon, to the best of our ability, the physical world which we inhabit. Pleasure, food, drink, sexuality. For a spiritual existence guided by spiritual reality. And then Yom Kippur ends and we are forced to return to our homes to eat, drink, back to life as we know it. Sukkot then represents a middle ground. It's a time of great physical joy, of dancing and celebration and rejoicing, of eating and drinking and socializing with friends. But at the same time, we do all those things not in our physical homes, but instead in that phantom construct we call the sukkah whose rules are defined not by the world we see and whether the building could in fact protect us from the elements it could not. Instead, we take shelter in a structure defined by halachic rules and regulations. In essence, we declare simply by sitting in the sukkah that at least for another week, we live, we live our lives guided not by eyes, which too often fool us, but instead by the eternal strictures which have faithfully guided the Jewish people throughout history. There ends the quote by Rabbi Spolter. And it helps me to understand these ideas of lavud and gud asik mechitzta, and the way that our Mishnah understands that what looks like a wall in the real world doesn't count as a wall in the sukkah, in the world of illusion, in the world where we live with our faith as opposed to with what our eyes can see. We live knowing that we are surrounded by the anane kavod, those clouds of glory, and we're not dependent upon any connection in the real world between the wall and the ground or the wall and the schach. We're living in a moment of complete faith. And that illusory faith is represented so beautifully in these two halachic concepts, lavud and gud asik mechitzta. That illusory faith that is at the core of Sukkot is represented in this Mishnah. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.